Could I interest you in a glass of champagne? Oh, you could just so interest me in that. I'm so interested. <laughs> wow. Did I had you end of the year where I'm just sort of like, I'm just cry doing everything? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty... The other day and said, what are you doing? I'm like, just at home cry writing. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, should I tell the story of me bringing you at Adelaide Airport? Or you bring me <laughs> yeah, through Adelaide? Sure. So, crab Mr. Flight the other day from Adelaide Airport. And when I picked up the phone, <laughs> I see Annabelle Crab ringing at 9pm. She's missed the last flight out of Adelaide. And all I can hear down the phone line is... <laughs> <laughs> That was me in the Jetstar terminal, just going, <laughs> what the... Yeah, it was bad. They'd pulled my... I was in the, I was in the terminal. But the boards just kept saying, because it was a really delayed flight, and the boards just kept saying, go to gate, go to gate, go to gate. And, of course, like, what sort of lunatic actually obeys that instruction? Because everybody knows that go to gate means <laughs> this thing is not within a bull's roar of leaving the ground. And I'd been already worded up that this thing was late. And so then all of a sudden, oh, God. Such a will. And then all of a sudden it just goes, final call. I'm like, whoa. So I'm running to the gate. And the guy just says, sorry, we pulled your bags off five minutes ago. You're not getting on that flight. And I just, I just burst into, like, Full ugly crying. He was just like, get away from me, you crazy lady. The thing that was so bizarre was that, like, you'd think that was a unique experience, and yet I had done exactly the same thing. Um, so we were able to bond over and had also gotten into hysterical <laughs> sort of crying. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Here's to the end of 2016. Yeah, here's mm. to the end of you, 2016. Yeah. Don't, you know, Trip over on the way out, is my view. Somebody posted a thing on Facebook earlier that I saw, which was, um, it was like 2016 in pictures, and it was video, but it was all things like people having a plate of food and sitting down the couch and just, <laughs> boom, boom, yeah, just falling on the floor. <laughs> and so it was all a secret, someone cracking an egg and dropping the whole thing into the bowl. It's just, yeah. But what about how, at the, you know that at the beginning of the year, we made that, you know, When I Get a Minute series, mm. that just seems like about 30 years ago. Completely. Like it's, it's quite sepia-toned in my memory. Well, when I went through to have a look at my Kindle to try to refresh my memory for the best ofs for the year, um, there were books that I would have said I thought I read three or four years ago, yeah. and I just read them in April. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's quite, quite bizarre. And we should paint the scene of what the table looks like here. We've got quite the feast, actually. Look, it's a quiet home because your incredibly well-behaved children are already in bed. Yes. And mine, who are in a fizzing state of sugar overdose and hyper... <laughs> excitation because they've been to about 14 picnics in 35 degree heat today, have been packaged home with their delightful father. Well played. Is, um, you know. Well uh, played, Jeremy. Yes, well played. very well played. Um, uh, and so we're having um, a little smoked salmon on um, little crostini yeah. with some just Wasabi unbelievably mustard. delicious smelling mustard because I yeah. smelled the pot while you were which I bought it. in uh, bought in the Blue Mountains a couple of weekends ago um, and it's I love wasabi so that's is that which side of the goat's cheese curtain is the um, is the Blue Mountains on <laughs> I think it's like if you opened the curtains like one it's side got, of it's in Lura it's and the of, other side's in Surrey Hills it's got like glimpses of Gorgonzola <laughs> surely exactly um, I really want that term to disappear. Yeah, it's yeah, just a bit. Foul. It's just a bit icky. Yeah, you know I agree. I, mean? I agree. Um, so I got that up there, and then I got this delicious, um, soft, melty brie mm -hmm. from a um, deli down the road. Where I, it always makes me nervous because the guy always comes in like when you go into the cheese room. He's like, "Okay, what can I help you with?" And I'm just mm -hmm. like, "I don't know anything about cheese. I just 
I don't know. I just right. I'm going on look basically. Right. Okay. And so then that just freaks me out. Do you think you can smell your own experience? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> well, we have one very special for you today. Only either that or the first time I went and I thought maybe he thought I was a shoplifter because he was hanging around so much. I thought, yeah. did he? Does he think I'm just loading cheese into my bag? Um, oh, your eyes darting about a bit, probably yeah, out of nervousness. Of yeah. Exactly. Um, just and... say I'm looking at something with a washed rind. <laughs> if you just say washed rind, it makes you sound a little bit like you know what you're talking about. Right. So they're a bit like, oh yeah. But then All what right. sort of cheese am I going to get if I ask for a washed rind? Uh, just, I have no idea, really. <laughs> I've got no further than that. <laughs> It's like something that tastes like laundry station. Like people would like, I used to be the only person working there at you know Ampole Hilton (laughs) uh, on what was Burbridge Road, um, Adelaide, but is now Sir Donald Bradman Drive. Oh, much against the wishes of the late Sir Donald, who just really did not want that um, road named after him. Would you just wait for him to die? How would you feel about Annabelle Crab Street? I'd put Uh, it with Avenue, actually, Annabelle Crab Avenue. Bit of a got a bit of a Rococo rhythm to it, hasn't it? Um, anyway, these people used to come in and they'd actually have. We were a proper garage, garage, you know, right. where you expected to have your car fixed. But did you do that? Half the time it was just me there at night, so people would like limp in with this sort of steaming under their bonnets, and I'd and you'd go, "Give me a look at your carburetor." No, I'd just say, "I think it's probably your alternator," because <laughs> the alternator is could be responsible for a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Also, is a bit too tricky to get the sort of late stop at the servo to fix it. It'd mm-hmm. have to be like, well, you have to come back in the morning, leave the car here. Right. Des Jolly, the uh, greatest <laughs> wheel liner in South Australia, will uh, attend to your needs. Did Matt Crab-, Crab teach you much about the home car service when you were growing up? Oh, look, I mean, I, I um, had a lot of um, basic farm um, maintenance expertise, so it just really ran to oil and um, mm. coolant and um, changing tyres and... Yeah, all the basics. Although yeah. even that stuff now... I used to like, quite like doing the dipstick in the oil. Oh, I found yeah. that quite fun. Yeah. Um, but what now, about when there was fan belts? Do you remember cars with fan mm-hmm. belts? No, you yeah. don't have any of it. Sorry, this is going to be hard to eat because the sourdough is very... That's why very... I'm, just, I'm just enjoying watching you <laughs> attempt it. <laughs> I'm just hanging back. <laughs> it's going to um, be hard work. Now, um, the, the, we, the cheese sorry. thing... We were going somewhere with the cheese, weren't we? Oh, we were just describing the rest of the mm. table. So there's this lovely drippy brie. Mm. There's um, some uh, fabulous and unsolicited mince pies, which were brought to us yeah, at the ABC by Freya. Oh, thanks, this Freya. a bit of a, a fan. Oh, and they, they look beautiful. Yeah, yeah they sure do. Mm. Um, they look like a very uh, confident hand has put together mm. those mince pies. They look great. Thank you so much, Freya. Thank you, Freya. Um, now, and what's this that you made and brought? Well, um, that's already been through one picnic today, but it's been kept in the icebox, so it's, it's still good for another go-round. Um, so that is a smoked mackerel pâté, sort of rillette thing. Allow me to dip in and give the listeners my verdict. <laughs> so what's it's in it exactly? pretty much smoked mackerel fillets sort of flaked and mashed in with cream mm-hmm. cheese and mm-hmm. capers and dill and lemon juice and horseradish and oh, spring how, onion. How bad could that be? Let me get some more and on my biscuit. Some um, cracked pepper. Mmm. Well, you're obliged Beautiful. to say that, really, aren't you? No, that's I love delicious. A, I love a smoked fish. And I live got... behind the smoked fish curtain. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got some uh, blue cheese and some pear. We've got some spicy crab dip, mm. which I didn't make. I bought it. And we've got some Christabel spicy nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got a mouthful of the smoked oh, salmon yeah. sourdough oh, that's going to... Occupy you for a while. That is great. 
Sorry, listeners, there's going to be a lot of silence and chewing <laughs> in this episode. If I didn't have a mouthful, I'd bust into a show tune right about now, just because it's a rare opportunity for me to be able to do so without you being able to stop me. Are you going to see the Book of Mormon when it comes to Australia? I'd love to see the Book of Mormon. Um, mm. Yeah, hopefully. I'll have to see how that goes, because I've had friends who have seen it overseas and said... It was the funniest thing that they had yeah. ever seen. Like, have you do, you've been seen it, have you? No, right. I was in um, New York when it was on in its first sort of completely on fire, on fire, couldn't get a ticket, no oh, matter right. who you slept with thing. So I didn't even try. <laughs> so it was going on, but that I couldn't see it. Do you know, one of my friends got married recently, and guess what we were able to snare for her? Tickets to Hamilton. No! Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I do not know. If somebody got you tickets to Hamilton, would you just fly over there and just see it? I try to, yeah. yeah, because it's they are so it. hard to get tickets yeah. to, and um, I mean, you know, it's sort of the most talked about musical in I don't know, couldn't even tell mm. you. And now it's, that Donald Trump's given it a real kick along too, <laughs> it's so weird because it's also um, like Hamilton's not even an interesting president on paper, really. I know, like he's one of the lesser mm. um, presidents, so it's interesting that he's Be like Woodrow Wilson, <laughs> the musical. But <laughs> who was it? Calvin Coolidge. Wasn't that great line of Dorothy Parker's where someone at a dinner party says to her, oh, my God, apparently Calvin Coolidge has died. And she says, how could they tell? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, I just had some of that brie. That guy in the cheese shop knows what he's talking about. Yes, he does. Mm, very good. So, <laughs> we're stop eating. <laughs> oh, no, just going to be some really unpleasant <laughs> mouth noises for a bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, the only thing that could help this probably is if Listeners are eating along. Mm. So please, if you don't have a snack, go and get yourself something. Press balls, go get a muesli bar. Preferably something noisy like chips or mm. something that's going to mask the sound of our mm. moist mouths. Hey, um, while we're on food and entertainment, where do you stand on the consumption of snacks in the movies? Um, look, <laughs> because I'm probably a bit of a tight ass. I don't, never have any in there because no? I, yeah, I sort of, I object to the inflated prices. Oh, my God. God, I sound so Christopher You and my mother ought to go to the movies <laughs> together because, like, when I, on the rare occasion that we went to the movies when I was a kid, my mum would bring, like, a bag of Anzac biscuits. Right. We'd get, like, a little thermos, maybe with some homemade lemon cordial in it. Right. And um, so we'd have our own little snacks, but we right. just desperately wanted You wanted the bought ones. I'm not paying $5 for the popcorn. It's about 20 cents worth of popcorn in there. <laughs> All you do is add heat. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and I I don't really mind the noise. I don't sort of tend to notice the noise oh, of... Because I've worked right. in a newsroom for so many years, I'm, yep. I'm immune to noise around me. But what's your take on that? Oh, I'm relaxed about it, but I am in a long-term relationship with someone who is pretty much the opposite of relaxed right. about that stuff. Right. I always make a joke about, like, if I want to get his attention during a movie, I go sit five rows back and just whisper lightly or open a, uh. or open a minty or something. <laughs> like, he's just complete uh. bat hearing. Uh. And, can, and people who have that problem, it's like people who don't like cats and who cats always then sit on. Yeah. This happens all the time. Like, always the person with the packet of grain waves or something will always be sitting right behind him <laughs> or right next to him or the person who's just a bit of an open mouth gum chewer. Oh, no. It's incredible. And it's it ruins incredible. his enjoyment of the film. Yeah, and thereby it ruins mine too because I'm really conscious of thinking, is he about to just 
reach clock around somebody. and clock this person. I'm plotting my way out through the exits, you know, whether I'll stop for Jeremy or not. <laughs> that is probably a neat segue into, what was your favourite film of 2016? I don't even believe that you're even asking me that. Wiener with a bullet. Oh, Wiener. Wiener. Oh, of course. Wiener. Yeah, Wiener. Of I, mean, course. I don't care who won Oscars. I don't oh, care Wiener, yeah. which of the great art house films of the year. Wiener. And with daylight oh. second. Oh yeah, that's you've uh, you've nailed it right there. Um, for anyone who hasn't didn't hear our Wiener podcast, Wiener <sighs> is a documentary. Which of them? <laughs> Wiener, yeah, exactly. Wiener is a documentary about a New York congressman, Anthony Wiener. Just. You've got to see it. I'm not even going to bother to tell you the rest of it. Because Everybody it was... knows who Wiener is. He's the guy who had his Wiener out constantly and then ran for New York mayor and then got busted for sexting pictures of his own tackle. To... And his wife worked for Hillary Clinton and, yeah. Well, I've got to say, the Trump victory has really taken a lot of the guesswork out of what's happening to Huma, you know, mm. because that was going to be a real mm. oh, man. issue in the Clinton transition. God, could you... So, actually, that's the first time I've thought of her. So, now, not only... So, the marriage has ended because Weena got busted again, being yeah. an idiot. Um, and... But for... Uh, involving their young son in one of his sexting... Just... Um, ex- just He's actually ill. Yeah. Um, and then now, so now she doesn't have the marriage. She's invested all this time for nothing because Hillary's not the president. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a big job. You've got nothing. It's just like, oh. She had a great 2016, didn't she? Wow. <laughs> Man alive. Look, I also really loved Spotlight, which I was a little bit reluctant to see. That's the film about the Boston Globe's investigation into... Mm-hmm pedophilia cover-ups in the Catholic Church, just because I find that subject matter really depressing and heavy-going. Because you, you do half an hour at most nights. Exactly. Um, but I thought it was a brilliantly crafted film. It was more about the investigation and mm. how that was done rather than the content of it, I guess. And it was just a film that had a beginning, middle and end. And mm. I feel like I see a lot of films that don't have that. And so I just enjoyed it as a piece of well-scripted well-acted, tightly edited work. Um, and, and of course you love the one about the bears as well. <laughs> the bears. Which one's a bit about the bears? With um, oh. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> the Revenant. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was only one bear. It was one very frisky bear. I <laughs> <laughs> you call me when you just got Because you saw The Revenant <laughs> because you... Oh, God, all right, let's just say it. You had to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. Clang. 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 And um, you rang me when you were just out of the cinema. I'm like, how was it? And you're like, Jesus. Just like, (laughs) just don't want to watch two hours of someone being pursued through the wilderness (laughs) by an angry bear. (laughs) Just like bits falling off him. It was just... Frostbite, gouging. It was just misery, that film. Um, Do you know what what I... what else I really liked. Um, did you see the Star Wars reboot, the one with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in it? The Force Awakens. Yeah, I, I did. I loved it. I loved it too. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I loved it and then I got into a sort of pond of rage about how, yeah. The lack of... The merchandise. Because uh, Ray, who's this great character, wasn't sort of really involved in any of the early merchandising of the film because they, they all assumed that only boys buy figurines from Star Wars and they're not interested in girls. But, I mean, mm. like my daughter, who was sort of when she was nine, was on her feet at the end of the movie, jumping up and down and yelling, Girl power! Oh. Which is pretty hilarious. 
That's so, so good. So I'm quite keen to see the new Star Wars one. I'm going to do that over the Christmas well, break. But it's kind of like a pre see That's what oh, Brendan just, said. Geez. I said, like, is it the continuation of... Because remember how The Force Awakens... Yeah. I probably shouldn't say because I might spoil it, but it ends with a very pivotal character being re-involved. Mm. And I really... I love that. And I mm. really want to know now where that's going. Um, and... But Brendan tells me the new one mm. that's just come out, Rogue Nation. Back five series ago or something. And it doesn't have Ray in all of them mm. in it. It's a totally different sort of thing. So, um, it's like a bloody chocolate wheel. I mean, like, yeah. you could not get away with this if you were anybody other than George Lucas, could you? I mean, it's just such... Well, is George Lucas even involved in it now? Who knows? I, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's I like think a sex to... party now. Exactly. I wanted just to... Just, like, depends throw your keys in. That's right. You just, <laughs> it depends which door you open and what you're going to find. Um, it's not directed by J.J. Abrams, who did the one... Um, the thing I loved about The Force Awakens was... It was clearly done by somebody with a profound love for the original, mm. but also who knew how to take that and craft a new story. Yeah. And the characters weren't just cardboard cutouts. They were... I loved particularly the interplay between Han Solo and Princess Leia, where yeah. you know, they clearly had this great love affair in the past. It's now 25, 30 years on. Yeah, they're co-parenting an evil son. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, well, ugh, I don't know. And they sort of had that weariness of, like... I still, you know, deep down have a fond affection for you, but I'm just tired of your crap. Yeah. And so that was just a great... And they, they conveyed that really... So beautifully. Yeah, yeah. it was really amazing. Um, so I, I thought that film was really... Like, I just... Pound for pound for, you know, 20 bucks or whatever it cost to go to the cinema. When I left that, I thought, I got my 20 bucks worth. Yeah. That was really yeah. money yeah, well definitely. spent. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, Best of television as well, I think, is just bleedingly obvious just because we've banged on about it so much. For me, The Americans and Veep. Yep. Just... Yeah, no dispute there. <laughs> I, just, I just always want there to be more Veep. I'm always just... Oh, I'm personally I think I'm going to watch from that the top again, actually. Yeah, I could totally do that. I just... Yeah. The, the other day, um, you know, now that Donald Trump started um, appointing his cabinet and the other day when he announced that Rick Perry is going to be the secretary for energy like thereby taking over the department that he wanted to abolish when he was running in the primaries but also couldn't remember the name of in the one of the um, debates in the primaries you're just like I just had this really clear image of Armando Iannucci just going gosh that was a storyline I made up (laughs) (laughs) absolutely just throwing away a script that he'd prepared. Oh, you can't. What's going on now is beyond parody, really, um, on so many levels. Somebody the other day had a tweet that was really funny, which Trump, yet again, was tweeting about Saturday Night Live and, oh, that Saturday Night Live is just so unfunny. I never watch it apart from all the time because mm. <laughs> I'm so busy now that I'm just... And somebody <laughs> retweeted it with the line on top of it, making America great again, one comedy show at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you have any other, now that you've got a mouthful, yeah. any other telly that uh, particularly worked for you? Well, I watched Bloodline um, and really, really liked it. Okay. Did you watch it purely because Coach Taylor was in it? Because that's the only reason mm-hmm. I started watching it. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, another of our favourite television shows. So Bloodline is a show set in Florida Keys mm-hmm. uh, and it's a, a family owns a really beautiful um, hotel this old southern mansion, and uh, they have four children, one of whom is a black sheep who's played by Ben Mendelsohn brilliantly, um, and Ben Mendelsohn returns and 
chaos ensues, basically. Um, and it stars... The mother is Sissy Spacek, who... Oh, I she just, fantastic. She's fantastic. Awesome, as is Sam Shepard, who's yep. the father. And actually, the whole cast is great. Um, Coach Taylor, who's an actor named Kyle Chandler, is great. And he's the, he's the brother, mm. who's the, also the local cop. Yep. So um, I just... I found it... My enjoyment of it was really centred even though I went in there for Coach Chandler, uh, mm. Coach Taylor, mm. I stayed for Ben Mendelsohn, who's mm. just this, has got this incredible, um, he, he's so sinister. Mm. And yet he kind of looks like a dweeb, you mm. know, as he always has <laughs> yeah. in a way, but has this sort of incredible quiet menace to him mm. that intensifies as the series goes on. Um, Anyway, I, I just I could not stop watching it. I really, really, right. you know. Have I, I there's a new really season now. Have there you? is, and right. I've watched uh, a couple, and I'm not really, I'm not really in it. Right. So I reckon, for me, that's going to be a one series, and I'm really satisfied with the series. Really, the second yeah. series. Same. I as watched... far as I'm concerned, like it's got a kind of an interesting, you know, um, forward momentum. Yeah. But not enough for me to be. I watched two episodes of the second series as well and also lost interest. And I think um, the structure of it, it's a really, um, I reckon, creative and interesting structure that's hard to pull off. I've seen it in Damages, which is the flash forward. Yeah. So, it happens in Breaking Bad too. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. You see, this, it's very beautifully um, shot. It um, almost has a lyrical, dreamlike quality, which actually works really well in the Florida Keys sort of setting, yeah. which is just such yeah. a strange... Florida's so weird. It's like magical sinkholes and alligators appearing out of mm. nowhere and you know and it's you sort of you feel hot just watching it yeah, yeah. <laughs> the heat the madness of the heat comes through um so the 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 suspense comes from wow how does it end up at that mm. um, and so that's what keeps driving you forward and so I felt like at the end of series one when when you got the answer to that question yeah. about how it ended up like that it felt quite complete mm. um so I didn't, hard, feel, like, yeah, I didn't feel like I needed to see a second season. So then when I started watching it, I was like, well, I sort of felt like all those characters' arcs had ended and I don't really need to, you know, be engaged with that anymore. But uh, like you, I did, did um, enjoy it. Um, I liked Catastrophe as well, that British, that little yeah, British comedy series. Yeah, you talk about that quite a bit. Yeah, um, which is about a couple that have casual fling and then get pregnant. And, um, and the catering show? That was oh, on iView yeah. just, I mean, that was the most popular show on iView this year. Yep, and well-deserved as well. Yeah, I agree. The other show, that, the other iView series that I just love with such a passion was that little series called You Can't Ask That. Did you watch oh. any of those? Uh-uh. Oh, sales. You would, that's yeah, so... Yeah, I loved the premise of it. So perfectly executed as well. Like, so all, they've, all the producers have done is they've made this, like, little series of um, uh, little iView shows... And each of them feature awkward questions being asked of people who belong to a particular sort of minority, basically. So, and they've... Um, How long is each episode? About 12 minutes. Oh, OK, so like, short, right. Short. Um, so, and the episodes are just called things like dwarf or overweight, or mm-hmm. no, just fat, or um, Aboriginal, or um, uh, um, terminally ill. Mm-hmm. And it's all these people who um, that they're answering anonymous questions that people have sent in, some of which are, like, terrible. Sex workers is another one of them. Um, oh, yeah. And so it'll be, like, 
just the most sort of straight up questions um, about, you know, well, what's it like being you? Mm -hmm. And their cast of characters, and they've got, um, they've done a bunch of interviews, all with these people just sitting on stools, reaching into the box and pulling out a question at random mm -hmm. and reading it out and then answering it. And it's incredibly funny and warm and because you don't have a questioner asking the question, it's just a, like a, a tub full of questions and the, um, and the they subject read it themselves. fish one out. Right. And each, each show has probably got maybe, I don't know, half a dozen people in it and they're all appearing separately but it's all in the same sort of set so it's just them sitting on a stool so you might right. get the same question and then a bunch of different people answering oh yeah right? okay and um it's so powerful because it isn't about the questioner they don't get any sort of look in at all it's just their words being read out by this sort of overweight person or someone who's in a um polygamous relationship or um uh a short-statured person or a, you know, whatever. And so it's all about them and they have all the power to, to answer the question in a way that is all about them right. and that is entirely driven by them. So even though they're really awkward questions and sometimes they're questions that you would never ask face-to-face... Mm. -face, but that must somehow, make it compelling because... It is. Yeah. It is. It's really compelling but it also, it's treated with such humour and warmth and quite often there'll be like two people sitting on the stools and they'll look at each other like this is a great moment in the um, 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 sexual reassignment, gender reassignment, mm. transgender um, one um, where the anonymous question is, have you had the operation? And this two characters like pull out this question and read it out and just like roll their eyes at each other like and so you get a sense of what it's like to be asked that shit all the time right it's so it's so beautifully executed it's just lovely and funny and incredibly powerful and about half of them just made me cry you know like they're mm. really really beautifully done yeah like once you start watching that. them you can't stop like well, you watch the whole series i kept seeing the promo for it and thinking yeah. i really want to watch that yeah. and then I, it was just one of those things i didn't dip into but even the promos were sort of very compelling um so i wonder if it's still on iview i should have a look is yeah i think it should be the other great thing about it is that as i said like the show goes for about 10 minutes and then as you get to the end they flash up the names and occupations of the person, of oh, the people yeah. that you've been listening to for the right. last 10 minutes. And it just, it's this beautiful extra step where you've just been listening to this person's experience, you have no idea what their name is right. or where they come from. And then right at the end, there's just like, oh, this is Mark Smith from Liverpool, you know. Right. He's a, you know, bus driver or whatever, you know. Right. And it's... Yeah, you, it just adds this sort of extra context where you go, oh, yeah, right, this person is not just living in my screen. Yeah. This person has a, a or life. You, and or you've maybe by then formed some judgments about, oh, this person to me seems like they'd work in a shop or mm, something, mm -hmm. some neurosurgeon mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. So good. You've Loved completely it. sold me on that. Mm. Um, what about... Hmm, what should I pick off this list? Okay, podcast, because we've both listened to quite a few podcasts this year. Yeah. I think I've gotten very now, I mean, I've always been listening to them a bit, but now it's, you know, a very go-to thing for me. I'm always on the ear for new podcasts yeah. and into stuff. So, Well, mine has been really a bit dominated by American elections this year. Like oh, I've yeah. Been, I've been sort of 
as you know, snuffling around the sort of slate stable quite a bit. Mm. And I've now got to the point where with Slate's political gab fest, mm. I will listen to it as soon as it drops on a, oh. on a Friday. Oh, you know when it's going to drop yeah, and everything. It's, it's kind of like right. a little stage that you get to with a podcast where you actually are waiting for the next one yeah, to right. arrive. Um, and that's been really sort of serviceable and interesting. Like, you certainly get one particular view from the Slate yeah. like podcast yeah, left. team. But they are, um, you know, always really thoughtful. I think they... Um, have a very settled view on Trump, obviously, but um, they had a lot of really good analysis of Clinton, I think. Um, They've got good chemistry. Great chemistry. Mm. Um, also, I just really love um, Jacob Weisberg's Trump cast just because it's so... The guests are always really fascinating and mm. um, they have a comedian who basically reads out Trump's tweets mm. um, in Trump's voice, which is just hysterical for some reason. I, don't know. I just really <laughs> enjoy that. But um, the podcasts, I think the Australian podcasts that I've really enjoyed this year have been the, the kind of crime ones, actually. Like Barraville. Yeah, oh, Barraville was great. Mm. Such a good series. Just one of Walkley as well. Yes, it did. Um, Very well deserved. Yeah, that was that was really riveting. The... the moment where they it was very good storytelling and the moment where Dan Box who was the reporter on it who I think is an excellent reporter um got an interview with the guy who is the accused and the guy has rung his sort of voicemail and left a message on it and so and then Dan rings back and he picks up and it's I mean I don't even think I was breathing when I was listening to it I was just so just desperate to hear from this guy that you've been hearing about for you know three or four episodes whatever it is by that time uh, yeah, that was really, really gripping. Um, it was. An, uh, that whole story, I mean, it's such an old story. It's mm. just been this incredible injustice that has dogged these families from Bowerville for so long that these three children would go missing under really weirdly similar cir- circumstances with one person in common hanging around the whole time. Um, they were... The magistrate decided not to ch- not to try the three cases together, and so the person who was accused was acquitted, and then couldn't be retried mm. with all the cases together. Like it's just this sort of weird knot in the legal system. And, and one of the things that that podcast does is really unpick that and explain mm. it, and it makes you just think that there's something quite random about the legal system. Because in this case, it just it just turned on whether this magistrate or judge had decided to hear them together or not and, really and now there's an argument either way. Now they've changed it. They've they changed have. the law. So um, but it's, it's really, going on now. That's a the whole story too is a really <laughs> it's a bit of a sobering lesson too in who listens to who's listened to because I mean like that community mm. has been really campaigning on that story for a long time and basically the Australian picks it up and throws a reporter at it and makes yeah. it, they make a beautiful podcast and in some ways, I mean, like, you've been reading about the Bowerville killings for decades now, but the thing that changed it for me, the, the thing that made it so extraordinary for me was just hearing the voices of all those people. It's yeah. so powerful. And because Dan Box, too, has a, um, a British accent, you get this sense, a very clear sense of him being... An outsider. The intruder. Yeah, the, yeah. Out, the outsider. Yep. And he's asking questions... You know, he just, he's just getting them to tell the story. But it does, it raises an interesting question because, so I was at a function um, where that I was emceeing, it was a glorious Steinem thing, and mm-hmm. I said, um, I forget how it came up, but I said, um, if you haven't listened to the Bowerville podcast, mm. you know, you absolutely should, it's pretty outrageous and you'll be, you know, very interested. 
And then <clears throat> Larissa Berendt, who was on the panel, said... Um, oh, she's actually, been super involved with the Arvel, I think. Oh. Well, she said, actually, if you want to um, hear that story not told by a white guy... Mm. Many, many people have told that story, have been trying to get attention on that story for decades, and there's heaps of work by um, Indigenous people and people involved and whatnot that you can listen to and or, or read. And um, I thought, wow, that is a really good point. And because um, it does make you sort of think, wow, well, why has that been agitated on for, for ages and ages and ages? And then it takes a white reporter to come in and do it from a mm-hmm. mainstream newspaper for people to pay attention. Like, it is, that is pretty outrageous. Well, because these big um, newspapers and programs, I mean, like Four Corners um, did the Dondale yeah. story and, you know, I think that the... Yeah, when the local Digital reporter Times had... had, had yeah. kind of covered it. But there, there is a certain amount of... Cachet that the big... There's a power and a heft to those kind of programs... Yeah. ..that actually create a momentum for action. And, like, mm. well, Barable, things move rather swiftly after yeah, that right. podcast that's really right. so started getting a lot of listeners. And, it like, did. in the end, I don't know, my view on this is always going to be, of course, um, coloured by my own circumstances and background and whatever, but, you know, I always... I mean, I think that movement is better than no movement. And, yeah. you know... Um, yeah, if, that's if, right. If, if it brings those families one step closer to some sort of resolution then... And it has. Yeah. It absolutely has. Yeah. But that's um, a great podcast. Also, um, The Age did um, a series called Phoebe's Fall, mm. um, but, which is about the death of Phoebe Hansjuk, um in Melbourne. Um, she was the young woman who was found at the bottom of a garbage chute in her apartment building that she shared with her um, boyfriend. So many questions involved in that death and... Um, the podcast talks to her family, talks to um, friends and sort of reconstructs the um, circumstances of her death. Um, they don't kind of really accuse anyone, but it, it, it's quite a, a beautiful and puzzling... Um, Did it find anything new? Did it get any closer to working out what had happened? I think it filled in a lot of gaps. I mean, right. because the, um, the coroner's... Uh, finding was inconclusive, which was very upsetting to right. the, the family. I think they sort of basically <clears throat> found that she had um, killed herself, which was because of the circumstances. It's kind of like a bit weird. Like, how can you stuff yourself into a rubbish chute feet first? That's where the entry is, like five feet off the ground. Like, it's just mm. quite hard to do. Hey, speaking of filling in the gaps, and now I feel terrible because I didn't um, note the reporter's name. You know the story in Sydney where um, the family, there were two autistic children and the father, you know, and so the Mm. whole family was gassed, including the dog, was not that long ago. Um, The Sydney Morning Herald today has a story that by far has put the most flesh on that story. It's extraordinary. It's in the good weekend. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely incredible piece of work filling in so many of the questions that I had about that situation and what yeah. was actually going on with the family. I was really um, grateful was to really read it, actually, because yeah. there's uh, because the um, both of the children were like high-needs kids with um, quite profound disabilities and um, the, um, the two of them and the mother and the father were found dead in their home and um, there was a quite a complicated rig up in the ceiling... 
piping carbon monoxide into the house and the dog was in there as well, also dead. It was just, like, hideous. And what became pretty clear was that the dad had kind of mm. rigged all this up. But obviously communities respond in just such knee-jerk ways to this, like, something so unimaginable mm. as, um, you know, that happened to this family. Um, and how would a person do that to their own family? Um, that there was a whole lot of straight away, oh, you know, the stress of, you know, raising children mm. with disabilities sort of thing, and almost like that it was understandable because, you know, mm. which is so weird. Like, it, it's so horrible because you just think it's kind of comes from a place where you somehow assume that love is out of the equation, like that it's not... Yeah. like that. Or I guess because most people aren't caring for people with special needs, it's like there's an assumption that, like, oh, well, if I had to do that, my life wouldn't be worth living. Yeah. And so, therefore, yeah, so there's a sort of judgment um, that goes with that. So this story um, sort of... It just goes so much deeper than, like, a superficial judgment like that. I feel really terrible now that I can't remember the reporter's name because it was just so well done. But have a look at our website. We'll put it on there. We will. www.chat10looks3.com. <laughs> it's, it's really beautifully done. And I also, like, at the end of reading it, I felt like the mother had been really well-remembered. Yeah. I, mean, I think it really... And that, that's what a lot of this reporting is about. I think it's about... Attention must be paid to the lives of people. Yeah. And sometimes people's lives, when they end in these sort of incredibly horrible or um, unimaginable ways, then their life is defined by the horror of their, yeah. their death. And what I loved about this piece was that it did fill in a lot of gaps about what was happening in that marriage um, before this dreadful incident, but it also really painted such a joyful picture mm. um, of this woman's life and mm. um, her enthusiasm. And it must have been a... So the sources were a lot of her very close friends yeah. and they shared a lot of intimate detail about private conversations they'd had with her, obviously. But And so I, I am sure there must have been a... Um, it would have been a big decision for them to agree to cooperate with that. Yeah, but also the, the sort of feeling that your friend had been horribly... Yeah. Like there was this real sense of, like, oh, well, perhaps they arrived at this decision together because they couldn't go on and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I think that they were... My sense was that these friends were really striking a blow for her, like, to, to actually... But then it wasn't unbalanced because then they had mm. one of his very good friends who he regularly mm. had lunch with who also spoke about how he found it hard to reconcile yeah. like it, it was that you know that person and but you know it was really interesting because the guy who was his friend said he didn't even know that the children had special needs that the mm. guy never really talked about it and um again that was just it was a really interesting sort of thing in the way men and women approach situations and not all men and not all women but um anyway it was a very very nuanced and Excellent um, piece. So, if you were if you were going on a long drive this mm. Christmas, like, what podcasts would you recommend for like a like a real you know look settle um, in for a long? <laughs> if there's no children in the car, so my dad wrote a porno, <laughs> which just made me laugh. I, I mean, I haven't actually. I sort of lost interest, but. It was just so silly and so funny, but also, again, just the people... I think it's the chemistry that makes these things work. If you feel like you're hanging out with your friends or it's people you could have around for dinner or something yeah. or that you're basically there but you're just not contributing to the conversation, <clears throat> that's, to, for my mind, what makes it work. Um, and that I just 
found so funny. And it was, even though, you know, it's one of the guy's dads and so they're sort of taking the piss a bit, it's done in a very affectionate sort of way. So, yeah, I loved that. But I also really loved, <clears throat> it's not a series, but it's a podcast called The Dollop that my friend Cass put me onto. And oh, yeah, I've, I've listened to a bit of this, yeah. When I think about times this year where I have laughed out of control... There's an episode of The Dollop called The Rube, which is about a baseball player around the turn of last century. Oh, my God. I just was in hysterics. And I recommended it to several friends who I thought would have, you know, who I know have got a similar sense of humour and I thought would enjoy it, who like podcasts. And friends were texting me saying, oh, Salesy, I had to pull over on the way to work because I was just in complete hysterics. And so it's basically two guys, one in The Dollop, one guy tells a story from history, sometimes a well-known story from history, sometimes a little-known story from history. And the other guy, whose name's Gareth... Is that one of my children crying? No. Oh, it's Kat. It's Kat. <laughs> <laughs> one of them. The other guy, whose name's Gareth, basically just chimes in with the smart-ass remarks. And Gareth is very, very funny. Um, and, oh, man. My, my friend Kath played it to me when we were at, uh, in Lennox Head together and... Oh, God, I was just cry laughing. And there's been a couple of others. I listened to the one with the, about the plane. The <gasps> oh, you've listened to that, that one, yeah, the FedEx God, one. Oh, God, my God. That, it just, I couldn't believe it. it that was, was just... horrifying, wasn't it? So the FedEx is an episode where a FedEx plane, yeah. uh, there's like three crew members or maybe four. Yeah. One of the guys <laughs> just goes fully burko. Postal. Postal on the plane. And it becomes basically... Just, it's like just a fight to the death in the air. Mm. Um, and the pilot and the co-pilot end up with grievous injuries. <laughs> They're basically flying the pain with like an eye gouged out and stuff. Anyway. Um, and the two of them are telling, like one guy's telling a story. And he's got all the kind of, you know, flight manifest and the, and the radio exchanges. And he's just like telling the story in this kind of quiet, you know, conversational way. And the other guy is just like... <laughs> is on the floor, like, what do you mean he pulls out a machete? What do you mean? Yeah. And the guy, the crew member's been telling me, his fellow crew members for a while, that he plays guitar. And so he's got on the plane with a guitar case that's full of machetes mm. and swords and spear guns and just... And he just goes to town with it. Anyway, there's a bit... There's a, one of the funniest bits is where it's, you're just listening in complete horror because the injuries are pretty severe and it's quite... It's really violent. Um, and Gareth, the funny guy, is like, you know... but. Can I just clarify it? Can he actually play guitar? <laughs> anyway, it's just... So the sort of horror and then the light relief from the funny guy. Um, anyway, so I just absolutely loved that as well. So in terms of... I often, for this, um, favourites, for some of them, it's the thing that, you know, podcasts and recipes, it's what have I listened to the yep. most, I think. Because yeah. you can't go past what have you cooked the most, what yeah. have you listened to the yeah. most. So, so cooking, then, in that case... Uh, just before we leave podcasts, yeah. I can't leave this section without... Um, Mentioning the podcast, I probably have returned to the most this year, which is Malcolm Gladwell's um, Revision. Oh yeah, I'm surprised podcast. you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, actually, no, yeah, because you, I just, you yeah, loved got it. Yeah, away, but I love that, and there are so many fascinating bits and bobs. Like he's just got this brain that works in an amazing yeah, way. Yeah, like, there's yeah, every podcast he chooses some phenomenon that's interested him in some way and goes into it like really down right. deep. One of them um, that I listened to quite recently was one about. A basketball player, some famous basketball player who is uh, well-known for scoring the most baskets, you know, in a... Right. Uh, I, here is where my <laughs> professional language basketball comes to a 
let's face it, shuddering. Let's bolt. just call him Larry Basketballer. Yeah, Larry Basketballer. Anyway, and his, his, the game where he shot the most points, he was throwing the ball underarm. Like, you know, not sort of over the, uh, you know, above your head shooting, but like actually Sounds squatting, like holding between your legs and just going, woo. And Gladwell pursues this and says, like, this guy, there's, there's all this evidence suggesting that if you throw underarm, which is entirely legal to do in competition mm. basketball, you get a greater strike rate. You just get greater accuracy, greater control. Right. And this guy pulled off, like, 42 baskets in a row or something. But how and do you then, stop people intercepting? He, because they've well, got... Well, no, we've got a free point. If you've got a free, oh, free throw, throw right, kind of sorry, right. Um, and uh, he never did it again. And even though there is all of this evidence that that is a more accurate way to throw, basketballs don't do it because it's unconventional. And then Gladwell goes into, he finds this one guy who's a total enthusiast for this method and his, mm. like, his son is quite a successful basketballer and throws underarm. And there's only other one other guy in the whole kind of national field of competitive basketball who does it and he's from like Nigeria or something. Wow. And then Gladwell's trying to work out, well, maybe it's a guy thing. It just seems a bit sort of emasculated to be throwing, <laughs> throwing underarm like yeah, that. Yeah, right. But then there's all these women players who, who um, you know, are aware of the concept but don't do it either. Mm. It's just a really great examination of convention and how Did he it... work out why? Just people didn't want to buck convention. Correct, yep. Mm. Anyway, so that's like, there's this whole podcast that's all about this weirdness of this particular sporting endeavour. That's what I like about the podcast is that it's, you know, there's another fascinating one that's about this um, uh, scare in the US about um, faults in a particular model of car um, after this horrific accident where a car, like, um, the brakes locked up and this mm. whole family kind of... Oh, God. Um, anyway, every, every podcast is different, but it's really fascinating. And so it's just... I've really? downloaded that podcast, but I haven't um, actually listened to any of them yet, so I've got to get into it because you certainly have raved about it. Mm. Um, so recipes then, if we're going on what have I just gone back to the most mm. this year, um, it's very basic, but Stephanie Alexander in The Cook's Companion, her lasagna, it is the best lasagna. Oh, I've never made that. It is just the best lasagna. And I think it's... What's its well, special feature? The thing that most surprises me when I make it is that it uses white wine, not red wine. Really? Yeah. Controversial. I know. Um, a dry white wine. And it has, you put two types of mince in. You don't have to, but you can put half beef mince, half veal mince. Right. The other ingredient, other than the white wine, that I think makes the difference is um, pancetta, chopped up yeah, pancetta. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and I also, um, because I'm always trying to get my kids to eat vegetables, I... Um, puree carrot and no, spinach and put through a pureer. Yeah, but because carrot's sweet, and I and I I don't know. With the, I, I'd be curious to ask her what why the white wine. What's the difference between the white and the red wine yeah. in the bolognese sauce? I wondered if the white wine makes it a bit sweeter. And then with the carrot, I've got a fairly sweet palate, and so mm. it's reasonably sweet. Um, but that is just pound for pound a great lasagna, and I often make it. And so, the kids um, are into yep, it. They love it. Uh, so that's a really good one. So you're using the chicken stock in that? Like, what's your... Stock oh, that's the other thing. Chicken stock, yeah. Right. So it's so beef it's a three and veal mince. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a four beast It's like a turducken. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a pasta turducken. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, world's chicken, been waiting. <laughs> chicken stock with beef mince and veal mince. Um, also, 
I community that you gave me, I'd make the very first recipe in it, which is a beetroot salad. It's beetroot with caramelised turnips, um, turnips, edamame. Yeah. Huh. Well, like a sort of purple turnip. Like a white, whitish yeah. Yeah, white with purple. The, with the purple. Yeah, with the purple top, top yeah. Um, huh. Caramelised turnips, beetroot and edamame with a sort of wasabi mayonnaise. Just, Yum. I mean, off the charts, delicious. I make it all the time. And also, this is fiddly. It's a raspberry and pistachio trifle. Oh, which... my God, I've had this. So, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's the nicest dessert I've tasted all year. It is just I had it round at your place. Untold. And then I was just like, it was one of those sort of awkward things where I'm watching the bowl and there was still quite a bit <laughs> left because it's huge. Well, and I'd put and you then... aside a Tupperware thing because I no. knew that you would want some. And I remember I saw you like a couple of days later and went, "Did you have you eaten that? And you went, yeah, and I did not share one I drop of it, it with like, anyone I else in the house. I hid it way back in the fridge. I didn't like, actually <laughs> let anyone else know that it had come, a bit of it had come home. The good news for you listeners is that... In the past week, it was published um, online. Um, I think the Sydney no. Morning Herald or someone published it, yeah. So Brenda actually linked to it from um, at Brenda on Twitter. Right, OK. Um, but we'll have it on the website as well. <gasps> it's in Guillaume Brahimi's cookbook and it's his recipe. Um, so we, and you, you and, and I... You and I ate that for the first time. That's right. by him. Exactly. At, um, at some lunch. Somewhere at the Opera yeah. House. Um, and I was resisting following a waiter around with a spoon and just yeah. basically getting it myself out of the big bowl that they were ladling it out of. Um, it was, it, it is just the most delicious trifle. It is fiddly. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's fiddly. It's got a million bits because you've, you've got to make raspberry jelly from fresh raspberries. Yeah. You've got to make a pistachio sponge, which is Two just, of them, yeah. I have actually made a variation, I think, of that pistachio sponge. I didn't have the recipe, but you put me on to... Um, right. pistachio paste, mm. which is, I think, the greatest thing it I is. discovered this year through you. Oh, God, it's just so pistachio delicious. Pistachio paste is just... Unbelievable. Actually, it's, someone it's, on Twitter the other day asked me where I got it from. I got it from... I could. It was hard to find. I got it from the essential ingredient. Right. Um, I bought it from the cook and the chef. Okay. Or the chef and the cook, sorry, in um, Camperdown. Okay. And, and my producer... It's also... You've got to also mortgage your house to buy it because it's like about 15 yeah. bucks. For a little jar, but it is... It, it's... You can't do it without it, basically. Yeah. And friends have said to me, oh, you can, you know, these Thermomix Nazis, yes, Brenda, I'm looking at you, <gasps> claim Brenda, that you the can... Thermomix. Yeah. Oh. Claim that you can... I'm a bit tempted by the Thermomix just because you can heat things to a really reliable temperature. Oh. Also, it, just, it does make a very good custard, but I haven't gone there. Because it, like, it likes oh, to do the same things that I like to do. like Brenda. Shop and stuff. Um, no, I'm not... <laughs> the Brenda claims that you could make a pistachio paste, or other friends have claimed that, but I find it very hard to believe because the consistency of the pistachio paste is Silky. utterly... Silky. Yeah, it's, it's got other stuff in it too. It's not just... Make, that's, that's right, yeah, there's other stuff. My um, producer, Julia, brought me back. She went to Italy on holidays this year. She brought me back pistachio paste from Sicily. Mm, and it was up. not as... Uh, it was more bitter than right. the whatever it was I got in Australia. Um, well, the one, in, the one yeah. that we've got is called crema. It's a pistachio. Oh, crema. okay, right. It's got sugar, like it's sweet. It's, it's been, it's got all sorts. Of well, things. I also learned from somebody. I'm not sure who. This is about, you know, pistachio. This is becoming a challenge. Like, how long can two women <laughs> talk, talk about, about pistachio? Sorry, products? someone, like, my friend John at work told me. He said he loves the podcast. He hates all the cooking bits. Oh, so he likes all the books and the movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to. Um, 
The, you know when you get a pistachio gelato, the greener it looks, yeah. the less authentic it is. Yeah. Basically, an authentic pistachio gelato will look quite brown. Right. And so the pistachio paste Julia brought me from Sicily is quite brown. Right. The one that I bought here is, it's not bright green. No, it's, it's got a, a bit of brown. Sagey green. Yeah, it's, just, it's oh yeah. Anyway, I won't hear a word said against it. Anyway, so sorry, back to the trifle. It's, fit, it's got a jelly, a raspberry jelly layer. It's got two pistachio sponges, but they're quite, they also have... Um, as well as the pistachio paste, they have um, what's ground it? pistachios. Yeah, but not yeah ground. Sorry, I kept thinking pureed ground pistachios. <laughs> it's been a long year, hasn't it? And so you can't really. It doesn't. The sponge doesn't rise much. You can't cut it in yeah. half. You have to actually make two yeah. sponges. And then there's a layer of. Um, it's not jelly. It's like a raspberry. I guess it's like sort a of curd, a juice sort of a curd. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where you have to basically. Um, seed raspberries, oh, which through a very a fine sieve. Sieving, yeah. A lot that of sieving. That's a massive pain in the ass too. I love raspberries, but wow. That takes a long time. You've got to push it through. Yep. It's good wrist exercise. Oh, it takes ages. And then there's whatever the custody sort of bit is. I think it's mascarpone or something. I can't remember. Anyway, yep. um, it's it really is a lot of dicking around. I'm not going to lie to you, but the end result is delicious. It's and you can... I, like I short-cutted by... Um, I just put packet raspberry jelly by the sorry yum. Wow. <laughs> Like, I can hear the thwock, thwock, thwock of your personal <laughs> helicopter coming over to drop something on you your house. You have to cut a corner somewhere because some of it you can't, you can't cut the corners. Yeah. Um, it's got kirsch. The sponge has got kirsch in it. Yeah. So there's a few hard source ingredients. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't use kirsch in anything else. It's oh. just like, you know. Anyway, First world problems. So. Yeah, I know. But it, I, I do think the end result, for, for like a special dinner party, I'm not saying just bang it up for your kids, for a special dinner party, pull this out and people will be just singing your praises yeah, for the rest I, of their I lives. Yeah, I absolutely second that. That is my memory of that dessert is incredibly happy. God, maybe I'll make it for Christmas. It'd be a good Far Christmas out, one, actually. Because it's green and red. Yeah. And also, like, it's just fiendishly complicated. Do you the other thing you can do for really... Christmas that I did last year? You know, in your cookbook, you've got the pomegranate cake. Yep. So it's a chocolate cake and it gets a yep. little well in the centre that you fill with um, cream and pomegranate yep. seeds. Whack a few mint leaves on. Looks very Christmassy. Oh, yeah. All right. No, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Being... So what, what do you reckon are your recipes of the year then? Um, well, I was just thinking about things that I go back to and it reminded me of the Christmas cake that I just made a bit late in the piece, um, to be honest, because oh, I don't know. Just I'm all over the place. But um, for some years now, I've been making um, a Christmas cake recipe by Jamie Oliver. Mm -hmm. And I'm drawn to it because it just has... Um, I don't know, it's got everything that I like about a Christmas cake in it. Lots of fruit. I actually don't like peel, so I actually oh. don't put the peel in. Okay. Um, but it's... Um, and I've, I've adapted the fruit mix. Um, right. But it also has 400 mils of booze in it. It is outrageous. So my friend <laughs> Katrina, I remember a couple of years ago, was like, oh, we were making Christmas cakes on the same day. And I went round to her place. She's like, oh, yes. And... How much, how much booze does your Christmas cake have in it? I mean, my recipe calls for two tablespoons, but I just thought, bugger it, and I put in four. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> nearly half a litre in mine. Wow. So, um, and this is, uh, I swear, the proportions from Jamie Oliver and not my own hellish alcoholism just sort of, you know, overwhelming my baking um, activities. So you, you have this, it's basically nearly, like, it's more than a kilo of dried fruit. And oh, my, wow. Yeah. It's, it, how it, big's the cake? Um, it's, it's, it's several house bricks worth. Like you know. what size tin? Um, so if you, I've fitted it all in a sort of 25, 26 centimetre oh, round okay. tin. Oh, okay, so a, Yeah. 
So it must be very... That's not that it's big. Quite so dense. for a kilo of fruit, my it's God. It's dense, right? So, but I mean, dried fruit is quite, you know, it's quite heavy. It's substantial. Mm. But um, I use... So I've actually um, subverted it a bit this year. This year. I mean, we'll include a link to the... Um, to the original recipe of Jamie Oliver's. But Can I just interrupt and ask, is this your... I asked people on Twitter to come in with questions yeah. if they wanted anything answered, and somebody asked for your light Christmas cake recipe. Is this your... Yeah, right. This is it. This it, is it. So okay, I've, right. I've, 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 I did a tweet the other day saying... Oh, okay. Um, I um, am experimenting with a blonde Christmas cake R this Oh, year. that's what they asked yeah. for, yeah. So um, I've used light brown sugar... Um, one of the reasons I love making Christmas cakes is that my mum used to make them, you know, and she's a great cook. I mean, mm -hmm. she still makes them, but when I was living at home, right. um, she'd make them. And the difference with a Christmas cake batter is that you cream brown sugar and butter mm -hmm. rather than caster sugar or white sugar or whatever. And then you add a little bit of, you know, if you're using my mum's recipe, like half a tablespoon of kirsch or so that's for a, of kirsch. That's for a regular Christmas cake, is it? Yeah, like all right. Christmas cakes will have that, that base of brown sugar and butter. And so a blonde but, one has... Well, um, the blonde one is more about the kind of fruit that goes into it. But, oh, but, okay. that, um, but that sort of butter, eggs, brown sugar and a little bit of brandy or something is just such a delicious taste. Like I love mm. that even before yeah. the eggs go in. You know, I love that taste. And mm. like licking the bowl for a Christmas cake is really different from licking the bowl for any other kind of cake. So right. it brings back a lot of very happy childhood memories for me, which is I think right. why I keep making them every year, even though Jeremy's like, oh, great, you're making another Christmas cake. So just um, free up three to four kilos of luggage space because it'll have to come back to South Australia, which is where we go. Anyway, um, but I digress. So um, my plan this year is um, I'm using golden raisins instead of um, standard sultanas, currants and raisins, which is what mm -hmm. the Jamie Oliver recipe calls for, and which is very standard for any Christmas cake. Right. And I'm using a whole lot of, I think, about 250 grams of dried pears, Oh. My local market has these beautiful, very plump kind of juicy dried pears. Like mm. They're very substantial and sort of soft and, my mm, God, yeah. so delicious. Go nice with butter and, and then, brandy, yeah. Right, and then dried apricot. Mm. So that's the, like the, the key to my dried fruit range is golden raisins, apricots and pears. So it's all quite light-coloured fruit. Mm. Um, but I have also put some um, dried sour cherries in there just because I just don't think you can... I mean, I'm, I'm very into a bit of a cherry presence in right. a Christmas cake. Right. And I've used um, some brandy, lots of frangelico right. and some um, sherry. Right. Um, and you, you macerate the fruit in this ridiculous amount of alcohol for, <laughs> in my case... I think more than a week because I just didn't get back to do the thing. <laughs> anyway, so I baked it um, the night before last, and I right. just and then you feed it with more booze. Seriously, it's like you know, just keep it's filling like an it early opener. It's just yeah. Oh man, um, that reminds me. So one of your little. Christmas presents that I've given you is some Rocky Road, which is actually from the Cook and the Baker, which you gave oh, me. Oh, right. Um, which is a bit of a gourmet sort of Rocky Road. So the ingredients in it, other than the dark chocolate, are. Turkish delight, good quality Turkish delight. Yeah. Oh, um, marshmallows, roasted salted macadamias, yeah. and roasted pistachios. And you're meant to put on top freeze dried raspberries. Oh yeah, right. But they were quite expensive, and they you can only are, get a big yeah. container of them. So I saved them for the A grade friends. <laughs> I'm noticing the entire, the complete porcelain of freeze-dried raspberries. No, I didn't do any with freeze-dried raspberries, but it's Those good Rocky freeze Road. Those freeze-dried raspberries, they're really great, but they, you can, 
only get them in a big tub. Yeah. It's like 50 bucks. It was or 50 bucks. Yeah, right. for, you know, like, and the yeah, other thing no. is, once you've opened them, they really rely on being quite dry. Oh. So if you open them in Sydney, a oh. week later, it's just like, hi, I'm a sort of I'm a spongy mass of. Not I'm a mouldy nice raspberry. Yeah, oh. no, it's not good. Oh, well, I'm glad so, I didn't waste the money. Um, so my cookbooks of the year really have been, well, I, it's really hard to go past Hedy McKinnon. She's just so great. We have talked about her so we've much. We've talked about her yeah. so much. I promise. I mean, I've never met her. I just, you know, I've never even bought a salad from her because she bloody moved to Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know her either. So I just, like, there is, I promise there's no kickback involved here. But <laughs> yeah. it's just, she's just... Yeah, been... you, but, but you owe us, Hetty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, you owe us some kale next <laughs> tell time. You're buy, <laughs> tell that you're buying your Harborside mansion yeah, off the back exactly. of plugs on this podcast. Sprout some millet and get back to us, lady. Um, but um, she first, I mean... We, we've, you've cooked your way through Community, which is her first book, and um, and, and might I add, Neighbourhood it, this year, which is just you know. Given my given that you gave that to me, I looked at it and I went, "There's no meat in this," and yeah. sort of you know suppressed an eye roll. That is no small feat that I have cooked everything yeah. in that book. So yeah. you know that is a good good yeah. cookbook, and and you also gave me the Cook and the Baker this, this year, which yeah. the Rocky Road's from, and that is yeah. also a just. Yeah awesome cookbook um i've now, also been um going through stephanie alexander's i think we talked about this last podcast actually her new right. one the cook's table which you has did, got yeah. like a bunch of stuff that i'm going to smash into over christmas the other thing that i really um am going to do over christmas big time is there's a recipe in i think it must be the it's either the latest gourmet traveler maybe it's the christmas one i don't know i start getting quite excited at this time of year about things that i'm going to have a crack out over Christmas and there's a really fabulous recipe in there for cured ocean trout which you then kind of slice up and serve on um, puffed rice paper you know like if you if you heat up oil yeah hot and you slip in a um, Vietnamese cold roll rice paper roll wrapper yeah it sort of goes it's like a um, it's like a prawn cracker it just oh, sort of fizzes up and gets all crunchy and sort of light no and, i have never done that yeah right. so it's um i'm going to serve a lot of things <laughs> on frazzled rice crackers this, this i Christmas. basically I'm just warning you that's what's going to happen i don't do anything in oil because i'm scared of it oh, scared of like deep frying yeah. Now, this is going to break the record for the longest ever podcast because oh, no. we're already at an hour and we haven't even started on books. My God. So, um, well, I don't want to try... skimp on books. What? I don't want to skimp on no, books. No, don't. I well, yeah. I mean, people can switch off. That's all right. Pause. Go and do your washing or whatever you have to do. Um, come back to us. Look, I'm going to pause for like five seconds so you can do that. Okay, we're back. What a relief. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get things straightened out. Okay, your favourite fiction. Okay, so I thought really for most of the year that my favourite fiction of the year is probably still Anne Patchett's Commonwealth. I read it quite oh, yeah. have a we few talked months about, ago. Yeah, we have talked we about have that. We have talked yeah. about okay. it. And, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't love that. Right. I liked it, but yeah. See, I liked it a lot and I really... Okay. Um, what did you like about it? Um, I liked the authenticity of the... I think to write about children is is hard to do, mm. and um, I liked the seriousness with which the thinking of children was sort of um, portrayed, mm-hmm. quite lyrically. So I don't know. I've and look, the book that I've read in recent days um, 
it's kind of appealed to me on a similar level, actually. I just finished reading a book that actually has been on my Christmas reading list, but then I was I missed a flight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't and cry through again. my tears. <laughs> oh my god! Through my tears, I started reading this book. I was just like, "Damn it! I'm gonna download one of my Christmas reading books, and I'm just gonna read it." All right. Um, the and worst I did. thing. The, sorry, just to expand on you missing the flight story. <clears throat> so you've rung me. Really, it doesn't look like the night can get worse. You've had an incredibly busy day. You've missed the last flight, even though you're at the airport. I've got to be you know, at my daughter's school presentation day in the morning. Which is so, why you're crying yeah. so hard. So we've, you've got on the 6am flight. We've figured out that you're going to go to the closest hotel. Uh, and so then basically I'm thinking, well, you know, it's probably about 9pm at this point. I'm thinking the night can't really, the day can't really get worse for her. Uh, yeah, it can because you've then arrived at a bar downloaded your Christmas reading. The kitchen's closed, but they've kindly uh, agreed that they'll just whip you up something to eat. And so then... I checked into this hotel at 9.30, and then I've gone up to the room, and I haven't eaten, really, all day. Oh, I haven't, like, yeah, I just... I was hungry. And then I said, oh, well, there was room service, but it closes at 9.30. I'm like, yeah, no, that checks out. Um, and the guy's like, well, come down to the bar, because they might be able to make you something. I'm like, sure, OK. So I go down there, there's this lovely fellow who says, oh, yeah, I'm sure we can scare something up for you, finds this very nice plate of mushrooms. And I've got a glass of wine, my plate of mushrooms. My eyes are still incredibly bulgy from weeping, but I'm sort of, I'm past the sort of (laughs) stage. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorted. I'm booked on a a 6am flight. I'm going to get to this presentation day. It's all fine. I crack open my Kindle. I'm sitting there having just the first moment of peace, really, (laughs) for the day. And then this chick comes up and says, what are you reading? (laughs) What are you reading when you're reading is the most annoying question in the world. It's just... And the truth is, I'm reading this book called The Girls by Emma Klein. Um, It's a couple of years old, um, and I just... I think I found it when I was combing through one of those, just, you know... Pause for a second, because I just want to quickly say, so that random who asked you what you were reading then just kept you talking for, you know, when we won't go into it, but, but your night was ruined because she just kept talking. Anyway, well, sorry, the girls. Just, she was just like, oh, and I was like, oh, it, it's this book about... It's, it's sort of a, a, a... It's a novel, and it's about this woman <laughs> who used to be in a cult, and it was sort of a bit like a Manson cult, and something really obviously bad happened, but she's sort of recalling her how she got involved in this cult and what sort of a girl she was, but it's been to- it's told from so the what, perspective of her as an older woman. It's called g- Girls. It's called The Girls. Oh, the Girls by... And it's by a woman called Emma Klein. Emma American. Klein, okay. And, um, and it, it's the story of these girls who um, find themselves in, a, in this sort of Manson-esque cult and something terrible does happen. Um, and the central character is this... Um, girl who was sort of drawn into into this sort of movement and she then kind of got out and um, she's kind of um, reflecting on her, her girlhood and, and, and also on this young woman who kind of drew her into the cult. It's, 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 I liked it because it's got quite surprising <coughs> use of language. You know, like you just, if you read a lot of books and you don't always get sort of surprised mm. by language where someone uses a completely devastating word or a con- sentence construction that's just mm. sort of like you read it and you think, oh, 
oh, wow. It's like, you know, being at the ballet and seeing someone do something right. really impressive or, or whatever. Um, not that I'm very often at ballet, but there you go. Um, so I'm kind of trying to explain this to this drunk oh, girl God. in the bar who's just, like, tottering with a glass of champagne. She's, she really just wants to tell me the story of what's happened to her that weekend. She <laughs> came over to visit her married boyfriend and he disrespected her, so... She gave him the ring back, even though why did she have the ring if he was already married? But anyway, and I've just, ah, oh, I just was looking at her and my, I don't know, it was just that my system was shutting down because I was just thinking, <clears throat> you know, I love talking to people and I particularly love, you know, yeah, strangers you, that come great, up and just yeah. like, just open up their lives, but I'm just thinking, do you know what? Tonight I am not your lady. <laughs> I'm not your lady. It's like I'm not on duty. Like, sorry, my book. I need my mushrooms. Today. She wasn't even a nice chat ten person who could just give you like a cake and leave. No, no, no. I was just the only other person in the area. Like it was an empty. It was a hotel bar. It was totally empty. It was a Monday night. This reminds me of two things. One is um, I interviewed John Farnham during the week. Clang. Clang. Is that a Clang? Yes. Clang. Hilarious. He, me, him, and Olivia Newton John were getting a photo taken at the end, and he said, Ladies, let's hold hands. <laughs> what? I saw that, and I just, I don't know whether to send you a little, Are you okay? <laughs> Somebody in my Twitter feed replied and said, um, You. Something like, you look like you are members of a cult, albeit a fairly nice one that serves good, wholesome food. And we did. I laughed for about five minutes because that is exactly what it looked like. John was in the centre looking. It was so big love. It was like we, me and Olivia were the sister wives. It was, God, it was funny. So anyway, John, oh, sorry. You, sorry. No, no, finish this. But okay, just, so. I'm going to cross my fingers so that I remember to tell you the story of the weird boat that I saw this afternoon. Oh, is it called the Lee Sails? I've already texted you a picture of that boat. So many people have, like, like that, you know, please, people, if you see a boat that the brand is Lee Sales, just, I've seen it 8,000 times, please don't send it again. <laughs> it was so original when I saw it, <laughs> seriously. Um, the, no, so John Farnham in the interview, he was a really sweet guy, actually. Um, he said people often come up to him and say, oh, look, I'm sorry to bother you. And yeah. he says he cuts them off straight away and he says, no, it's no bother. Because yeah. um, he says, I've spent 50 years trying to get people to buy my records yeah. and listen to what I'm doing. And so the least I can do when someone comes up, it, it is not a bother. It is yeah. a pleasure when people come up to me. And I just thought, God, what a lovely attitude. To, and it's a lovely uh, attitude. Unlike your attitude. Which unlike is my like... attitude, attitude, which we illustrated by the next story, which is I have a really <laughs> burning resentment towards you, which is um, I was recently in Melbourne. We've got a bit of a running gag about a place <laughs> called the Spaghetti Tree, mm -hmm. which if anyone, we did a podcast at the Wheeler Centre earlier this year and the whole room when I said I'd eaten at the Spaghetti Tree, you heard like the audible. It's a special kind of place. Yeah, the last time I heard an audible murmur like that was when I admitted <laughs> I hadn't read any Dickens at the Sydney Writers Festival. <laughs> But it was also, you weren't ever planning to read it. You were just like, that's it. I'm closed to Dickens. Sorry, that came out wrong. But um, I am open to the spaghetti tree. And so it's become a bit of a gag with us. And so thinking that I was doing something that would make you laugh, I sent you a photo of myself outside the spaghetti tree. With a sort of quizzical look on your face. And it was like quarter past four, I should say. For context, it was quarter past four. It wasn't that early, it was about 5.30. And, that is, and I texted your phone listeners, and me, That is not correct. With Spaghetti Tree in the background saying, is it too early for Spaghetti Tree? No, it's never too early for Spaghetti Tree. Um, and then you texted me and just said, you know, oh, that's just, you're so pathetic, blah, blah, blah. And so then I felt shamed about eating at Spaghetti Tree. And so I thought, 
Look, I'm in Melbourne. There are so many fantastic places to go. I should eat somewhere else. So I went to a cooler. <laughs> you know, the bar was low, spaghetti tree. I went to a cooler place. And then the person sitting next to me talked to me for the entire... I just wanted to read my book and be left alone. And the person next to me talked to me the whole time. And did I resent them? No, she was perfectly lovely. I resented you. Because <laughs> you made me that go to the cool fair. place. Was she a... Oh, you're that lead salesman the television. No. No. She had no idea, she had who, no idea who you, was, mm. you were, but she just wanted to chat anyway. Yeah. That's what this lady in the bar was like. Right. Um, and that's funny. Are you more annoyed by... See, I don't think you are actually that annoyed by people coming on and saying hello. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just, no, it's only just if you're really tired or you've, um, you know, I, people are so nice when they come up. What is this what cyclone that's just wind? Um, Brendan yeah. just texted me, who drives in car C1, PM or GG? I'm asking for a friend. Um, PM, I think. I think it's PM as well. Yeah. Okay, I'll say PM. <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. Has Brendan become Prime Minister? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> this year's been pretty weird. <laughs> um, so... Perry's the energy secretary, so I'm thinking Brendan could be the Prime Minister by... So is that your two fictions? Have you got any others to... Um, well, fiction-wise, I like The Dry. We, we talked about oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, The Dry. Um, uh, quite a bit over the course of the year mm -hmm. and that's been a very successful Australian book. It's a great read and definitely a good summer read, I reckon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. because um, it's got a bit of it's got a bit of crime, but it's just a um, beautifully written and very Australian kind of uh, story. Um, I also like when I was thinking about just books that I've picked up and then just gone, ha, huh, you know, this year. Richard Glover's book, I still mm. really love, Flesh Wounds. And there, there are a couple of really good um, uh, Australian books that were sort of quasi-memoirs. I'm going to stop you there because like... you're straying into non-fiction. Huh? You're straying into non-fiction. You're not following oh, my list. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't sorry. like it when my list gets okay. violated. Okay. So let me share my fiction and then we'll do non-fiction. Okay. Um, Enough about me. Um, tell it to the girl in the bar. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what I just hate is I tried to explain the plot of the novel as well. And she was just like, shut up. She I didn't just want to tell you about my boyfriend. She probably wanted you to go back to her room with her or something. No, she really didn't. She just wanted to chat. And she, right. look, in my defence, I really, she chatted, she got about, she got a good 10-minute um, monologue in. <laughs> and I just was wilting. And then in the end, I just said, oh, I just really hope that things work out well for you. I, I wish you the very best. And I think you probably just deserve a nicer guy to be with. And I wish you all the best for that. And I'm going to bed now. Saw that Annabelle Crabb in a bar late at night in Adelaide <laughs> eating mushrooms and chatting up a crying girl. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I thought, of course, I went upstairs and went to bed and then just lay there thinking, should I go down and check that she's all right? And I just thought, yeah. oh, God, she's going to be fine. Completely. Um, mm. So my favourite fiction. Yeah. Kent Harriff, Our Souls at Night, which I talked about. It's the one where the woman goes to the man's house and says, yeah. hey, both our partners yeah. have died. Can you come and sleep in my bed just I to keep me company? That. Okay, I've got to read that over the summer. Yeah, that was, I loved that. Um, my Name is Lucy Barton by Elizabeth Strout, who wrote Olive Kitteridge. Yeah. Um, it... I talked about that on the podcast earlier in the year. It's basically a woman is stuck in hospital for a few weeks um, and her mother comes to visit 
and it's very Elizabeth Strout's books are sort of very little happens on the surface, but a lot happens internally. It's, yeah. They're really pack a, they pack a very powerful punch. Um, and for fun, I really liked um, The Swans of Fifth Avenue by Melanie Benjamin. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. which is about sort of society women in New York. It's, it's a, I guess it's a fictionalised account of something that actually happened, which was Truman Capote befriending yeah. Babe Paley and a whole lot of other very amazing women who were society matrons of Fifth Avenue in the 50s and 60s. Um, and it's just, it's so well done. It was just, it was like a really great holiday read. So I, I totally recommend that. Um, so non-fiction then, so Glover's book. Yeah, I really, yeah. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that book and it was sort of surprising to me and re- revealing and just, you know, funny, but mm. also incredibly dark in some ways. Um, but I mean, uh, I, th- there obviously is one book that we both talk about incessantly, <laughs> right? And that is by our friend Helen Garner. Oh, I know. Oh God, she's I so feel good. Wait, I've I got look. actually, I've got a piece of homework for our um, our Garner loving listening community. Um, I've agreed to do this thing called Room to Read um, at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. In mm-hmm. it's an event in I'm going to say February. No, March next year, mm. and um, you—it just features a couple of people getting up and reading um, great passages from Australian literature. Have you picked one? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm going to reread Monkey Grip over um, Christmas, mm-hmm. just because I haven't for ages. Why don't I do that too, so we can talk about it in the first? Yeah, let's do it. Mm. Yeah. So I think I just. Because I just want to shower Helen Garner with love and um, adulation, <laughs> I think I would like to read something mm. of hers. I, I don't think it has to be fiction either. Like, I think it can be anything. The Stella um, Prize asked me to do a blurb for them and I said, I know I did Helen Garner last year. Can I just do Helen Garner again this year? <laughs> because I just love Helen Garner so much. Um, so Wherever I Look by Helen Garner. I would also Everywhere say... I look. Oh, everywhere I look. Everywhere it, I look. Oh, God, sorry, it is too. Wow. What did I say? Wherever. It's like you haven't even read it. I'm just so much the bigger fan because I remember the name of the book. I'd be listening, Helen. Like me calling something for Jess, something for Kate in the other <laughs> week. Oh, God. Anyway, um, the other two non-fiction books I'm going to name are old. One of them you put me onto this year, <clears throat> A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf, which I had yeah. never read before. Huh, yeah. Wow. Isn't it so beautiful? Stunning. And do you know what? When I came away from it, I thought I need to read more poetry because I could see in the quality of her yeah. prose that she is someone who read a lot of poetry because the There's use such of the a writing. There's visible bridge from her work too. It just it, the use of the language is so inventive and poetic and yet it's not poetry. And it just made me think I will never be, I'll never get over a lifetime to that quality of writing if I don't start reading poetry. And I don't really like poetry. I don't feel like I understand it. I don't get it. I think I am not educated enough for poetry. I, yeah, it's not my bag. But I think it's just finding the right poet, finding the right poetry. Like, I mean, T.S. Eliot is incredible. Like, that's probably the poetry that made me start reading po- start reading poetry. Look, that I am familiar with because I do. Oh, I do know the it? book of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> right, there's got to be a 
freaking musical time. You're a monster. You're beyond, you're beyond oh assistance. McCavity was a mystery cat. He's called the hidden paw, for he's a master criminal who can defy the law. He's the bafflement of Scotland Yard, the flying squad's despair. This is just like for the when worst you reach in the day of crime. Turn around. <laughs> If you started quoting Andrew Lloyd Webber, oh, yeah. oh man, you would be getting yeah. laid that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I was thinking more sort of, you know, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock or something. Look, I downloaded some Philip Larkin. All right. I love how you make it sound like a chore. Like, you know, <laughs> I got a job lot of uh, digital watches. <laughs> Off a shady guy on <laughs> the street. I don't know. Frankly, I'm not happy. Look, the... Um, Where's the post-sale service? Like? You, let me tell you how poetry makes me feel. It makes me feel like doing the cryptic crossword, which is I feel like, yes, 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 just get to the point. Oh, love. But, you know, but just read more Virginia Woolf. I mean, read Mrs Dalloway. That's just... that. There's a whole opening... Like, the first two chapters just involve Mrs Dalloway going to the shop to get some flowers and you're in tears uh, a bunch of times just in that process. And mm. it's actually, it's, I don't know, the way Virginia Woolf writes actually just encourages you to live properly, I think, you know, because she has this incredible way of lending poetry to the standard divergences of the human brain as it goes about its daily activities. You know how it, you're getting everything ready to get, get to work in the morning, kids to organise and this and that and the other, and you're just like, Bleh. She kind of makes a sense out of all that activity and the way your brain wanders off and does weird things while mm. you're doing routine tasks. And it lends an elegance to that process, which is actually quite inspiring. It's incredible to be able to observe that, mm. to slow down enough to observe that. Mm. Like, that's hard. That's really hard. Well, she had a very overactive brain. Like She also mm. kind of suffered terribly from mental illness and mm. interestingly enough and this is one of the things I find so powerful about that book A Room of One's Own like it's such a, it's such a feminist concept and when I read that book it made me start thinking about all the factors that go into people's success in mm. one um, enterprise or another and her um, you know thesis is that doesn't matter what else is going on in your life or how much talent you have, you need to have mm. a room of one's own to write in in order mm. to get started, you know. Um, and, uh, and a bit of cash. Yeah, a bit of cash. That, yeah. But in her case, too, she actually had uh, this fabulous husband mm. who was practically a wife in the sort of Mrs Nabokov role. Mm. And he used to... He was her editor and her cook and her sorting things out when she was having a kind of episode kind of guy. Anyway, that was, I mean, again, like, you know, wow, profound. That was dazzling. It yeah. was dazzling. Um, I thought that was really great. The other book that really had a big impact on me in this year, also very old, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor oh, Frankl. yeah. Uh, which I now feel like I want to read every uh, year. Oh, God, my phone says low battery. 
Okay, we better sort of try and whisk Ooh, through. I've what got about a charger in my bag. Oh, but then where are we going to plug it in? Because we're going to have to move somewhere and sit well, next to the PowerPoint. there's that one down there. Let's just talk we fast and hope the for the floor. best. <laughs> We've got 20% left, so oh, yeah, sure. Um, it was just so, I, I, to my shame, when I started reading it, I thought, oh, really? You know, how much more do I have to read or hear about the Holocaust? What more do I have to learn? And how utterly wrong was I? I had a massive amount left to learn. Um, and I, I was just, again, sort of like the Virginia Woolf book, every, it felt like they need to pause at the end of every page because it was so packed full of wisdom and insight. Uh, and it was a really, really deeply moving book. Um, now, let me, before we just talk about briefly what we're going to read and watch over Christmas, um, I put in, out a tweet to say, to ask the listeners, did they have anything in particular that they wanted to hear from us? The Christmas cake one you've already answered. Um... <laughs> Brendan Denham, I think, might be taking the piss. He asked for <laughs> our take on the best sporting achievement of oh, 2016. Come on, Brendan, <laughs> have you listened to this podcast, Brendan? I think Brendan probably has. Yeah, I think he probably yeah. has too, actually. So I'm just going to let that one pass. <laughs> the best sporting achievement probably is the fact that it's so sporting of me to still be friends with Crab after she robbed me of being able to go to the spaghetti tree. <laughs> oh, um, oh, the wit, right? <laughs> Ryan asked um, which Christmas traditions we have or used to have. Now, you've explained a bit about your Christmas cake and your mum used yep. to make it and stuff. Anything yep. else? Uh, really, apart from putting together some standard goodies for you. <laughs> that's, that's quite a tradition these days. Look, I, as somebody who tends to throw out unwanted presents the day after yeah. they arrive, I, tradition's not really my bag. <laughs> Unless you class that as a tradition throwing out of the unwanted gifts immediately. You're a monster. Um, Jan Dar had what I thought was the best question, which was, has the ganglion come back? Actually, it's interesting, Jan, that you should ask that because <laughs> I had a bit of a moment yeah. a couple of months ago where, oh, my God, it's back. See? It's oh, yeah. Sort of, I can... But it's kind of, it's gone back in its hutch a bit. It's like a, it's like a moray eel. Every now and then it kind of... It kind of <laughs> See, that's just my naturally elegantly bony foot. Just give me a look at them from the top because actually there See, is a definite lump there. Yeah, but that's a bony lump. Maybe I've made a terrible error. I don't really want to touch it because... I don't know. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, should greatest... I get a book or something? And... Did, we... <laughs> Did we ever share with listeners the postscript of the um, ganglion episode, which is where um, it was like one of the great moments of triumph in my whole life where um, Pam Williams, one yeah. of our mutual icons and one of the great Australian reporters yeah. whose work I would just crawl over <laughs> broken glass to read, confided that she had once had a ganglion oh. on her wrist when she was living in New York. And um, oh. Did she had thing? her husband at the time smack it with a Bible or whatever. <laughs> no. whatever Pam unholy has... book was to hand. Mm. And uh, I think that there was some sort of Injury and she then was a bit tossed. No, Pam has not shared that with me. She probably thought it would gross me out as your original ganglion. Yeah, well, right. that looks like, you know, shades of ganglion. Yeah, so, trouble. Yeah. yeah, you might need to... That's a clue to snap of that in the show notes. <laughs> Luckily, you've got that new Stephanie Alexander book ready to yeah, go. exactly. Oh, that's Perfect. a real ganglion. That's right. If you don't like cooking, it is good for ganglions. <laughs> ganglia. Ganglia, sorry. Gangli How do you know it's not ganglio? It's ganglia, I know it. No, because you probably know Latin. A little bit. Poetry and Latin. Um, now, 
What are you planning to watch or read over Christmas? Okay, I'm going to read the entire history of ASIO, all three volumes, because I got three signed copies of that the other day when I went to ASIO. <laughs> Bam! She just dropped a mic. Yeah, people. I did. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> what did you go to ASIO for? I went to, um, I, got a, I got an email from um, the Deputy Director General of ASIO, who is the first woman to be appointed to that role, Kerry Hartland. The interesting thing about ASIO is that only, um, well, historically one, but now two and possibly three people are what they say, what they call declared, i.e. their names that are able to be published. And um, they are just the very senior people. Everybody else who works for ASIO cannot be named. Please publicly. tell me that you did not just get that person's name wrong because I don't want to go to prison with you because you've just named Carrie the wrong Hartland person. is totally okay. You're right. allowed to, and she's the person who emailed me and said, would you like to come and um, talk at ASIO? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, I'm there. I want to go in that building. I just want to meet some spies. Oh, and um, awesome. So I just talked about, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. But um, it's this incredible building and the thing that absolutely blew me away about that group of people is so much younger and more female than I was really expecting. I'm really surprised by that. I thought it would all be dudes in suits with dandruff on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Mm -mm. No. Wow. Very yep. interesting. Yep. Very interesting. I had a lovely time. I had to um, turn around and run away again due to some sort of another um, airline Careful, uh, but um, <laughs> but you know I'm learning to live with that in my life. So have you got uh, some people great. that can now be sources for my book about the television current affairs host is actually a secret ASIO agent? I'm I'm just really working around to that. I wish you wouldn't blow my cover on that. Uh, can like can any of you people because you said you told me that at that thing there were people who said to you that they liked the podcast, right? So that yeah. means there are spies who listen to our podcast. Sure. Can any of you? They're all listening. If you want to be a source for my spy book. Oh my Come up to me at a party and say, hi, I'm from accounting. All right. So that I know that you're going to be a good source for my book. The only thing you've now practically ensured is that anyone that you ever meet who listens <laughs> to this podcast will say, I'm from accounting. <laughs> so, well done you. I think we're starting to gain an understanding <laughs> of why you do not work. Oh, in we're, this, about to get interrupt we're about to get interrupted by Brendan. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How's Good. Good. Carry on. Did you, you get some cheese or something? Did you see a movie? Uh, I did. Which movie? Um, Hatchback Ridge or Hacksaw. Hacksaw. Wow. It was good. Right. <laughs> it was that good. Was it a slasher? Or what, what, what is Hacksaw Ridge? Uh, it's, a it's a power tools. Yeah. No, it was all about um, World War II and the, the first conscientious objector. Oh, right. And so he became a medic and became a hero. The first conscientious objector who had uh, he won some sort of medal right. but he never picked up a rifle alright um, so grab some cheese grab some, that mackerel surprise is delicious wow you just made it sound horrific <laughs> it just sounds like one of those things that has exactly with you know, crumbled cornflakes all over it the other thing that's hilarious is that some boring idiot is going to come up to me and say um, hi I'm from accounting and they really will be from accounting <laughs> but I'm going to think that they're an ASIO operative and so I'm going to be yeah you've just bought yourself a whole can of whoppers right yeah. there um, um, so nice I am going to binge watch The Crown, which I've not watched oh, yet. I'd like to watch that. Yep. Yeah. Was that a hint that you want to be invited around? 
Maybe. I've already lined that up with another friend. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I do have... failed to mention, I think, the greatest um, non-fiction book that I've read this year, which is Victoria, but anyway. Oh, by Julie Baird. Yeah. Fabulous. Which, um, that is a book that absolutely screams out to be taken along and consumed over a summer break where you've got some time to really smash into a long book. True. Because it's rewarding, very gripping. Um, I'm going to read The Life Writer by David Constantine, who he wrote a book called In a New Country that came out this year as a film called 45 Years, which had Charlotte Rampling and I forget the male actor who's very famous. Um, He seems to be preoccupied with the, the idea of really long marriages where then the person goes back and uncovers something in the past of the partner. Yeah. Uh, and so The Life Writer is similar to that. I want to read Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders, who's a very noted short story writer. This is a novel. Um, and one of the Booker Prize nominees called Aileen by Tessa, I'm not sure he pronounced last name, Moshfei. Um, and it's a just thriller because I do love a thriller. So... All right, can you just cut and paste and send all of those things to me? Because I will. I really... Like I've already read the one that I was really looking forward to reading, The Girls by Emma Klein. Yes, I know you've knocked that over. Now you need something um, else. No, I'm, I'm, I've well, been saving up Mark Colvin's Why book. don't you do Our Souls at Night and um, My totally Name is Lucy Barton yeah, and, and Monkey Group. That'll get you through. Yeah. But also I'm going to read Mark Colvin's book because um, yes, I've been salting that away and looking forward to it. Um, now... Open your Christmas present, please. Yes, because there is a story that goes with this. So you've got your Rocky Road and wrapped it up, and um, it's got one of those stickers on it, like a sort of Happy Christmas sticker, where you go (laughs) to, from, and you've just written to Annabelle from Salesy. I realised after I wrote Salesy that I should have written to Crab because I I never call you Annabelle. No, you don't. But anyway, um, to Crabarama from Salesy. I think that the fact that there's already a sticker on the wrapping paper makes me not feel like I've got to preserve the wrapping paper. No. Oh. <gasps> Do you know who that is? <gasps> no! Yes. Oh, wow! So... This, okay, that just blows me away. What I've given Anna, Annabelle is a watercolour and it's of my and her backs <gasps> sitting in a window reading... And what happened was, it's at Revolver Cafe yeah. in Annandale. When we were there shooting an episode of When I Get a Minute, there was, I never saw, did you see anyone doing any art? Me either. So there was a guy there called Jason who was doing, um, he just did a little sketch and a little watercolour of us. And our, the director of that series, Stamatia, found it on Instagram or somewhere. And it was just, it's such a sweet little watercolour. Wow. And so... I said to her, you know, well, give me the guy's name. So I got in touch with him and I said, will you sell that to me? And he did. And so then I took it and got it framed. Sales, that's, that's completely lovely. <laughs> I just, every now and again, you are totally adorable. And you got me a gift card from David Jones. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> no, for that. That's a really cool thing, I think. No, but, but that just, is... It's absolutely smashed out of the water by that. That is just... I know, but, like, I mean... What I like is that we're all... We're both just completely ignoring each other as well, which is pretty much what was happening. I know. It's just, like, both of us sitting next to each other but just reading and ignoring each other, and it's just such a great little... um, I love even how you can tell that under my thing my singlet's riding up because there's bare skin. (laughs) (laughs) What? 
Do you haven't spot that? Yeah, because I've got the sheer top and the singlet riding up, exposing the sort of. Luckily, he hasn't got the sort of gigantic granny pants. You can't see the visible granny oh, pants the line. Granny pants. I'm wearing nothing. I mean, else I was wearing. From now on. That's who, who else? Like, do, who else ever wears anything else? Uh, so yes, there you go. I just could not love that more. Thank you. And let's um, include a, a photograph of it on our show notes yes, so that people can have I will, it. yeah, exactly. Um, um, it really is a lovely little... Thank you for selling it to me, Jason, and thank you yeah. for doing it. Like, just what an amazing little thing. I really like the way it's just captured the window and it just sort of trails off into nowhere and this sort of suggestion of a cup of coffee. And I really love the way that the framer has... Don't you think the frame looks yep, just... the frame is absolutely spot on. Couldn't be better. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, really? Wow, a lifetime membership of the spaghetti <laughs> tree. Oh, wow, well, that's so already nice. got that. So what else is in? So I've got some Christabel spicy nuts, yes. which is awesome. I got you some um, dried rosebuds because... We did talk one time, we did about, talk one time yes. about where you find dried Thank rosebuds, you. where you find them in that jar right Awesome. Now, Thank you. They're fantastic. Um, Very good. This is... Actually, a bottle of my mother's recipe, lemon cordial, which oh, I made. You used to get the cinema. <laughs> I used to get the cinema for a for a budget day out in the cinema. To, uh... well, that is actually a perfect gift for me, given that I've shared. Because imagine your horror if I'd said, "Yeah, I always get the gigantic bucket-sized slushy or something." <laughs> now we've worked out that actually. Oh, did someone just flash their light into me? How strange! Oh, I don't know. Um, um, yeah. Good, you've got a stalker. Excellent. Check um, into the granny undies. Hang on, is the pants line visible? Oh, hmm. no. Okay, um, all right. And then that's, you know, the other present. This terrible basket, which is a <laughs> which is an Easter basket from my kids. <laughs> you tell box. that's an Easter basket. It's Look, pop, I was rushing out the door. And yellow and, there was a yeah. card, but um, I've left oh, it. Oh, I didn't, couldn't be bothered doing a card. It's, yeah, forget the card business. Well, it was, it was, it was in iambic pentameter, <laughs> like it was quite carefully written. <laughs> but, you know, given what I've just said about poetry, I would yeah. be like, oh, come on. Where's the Merry Christmas bit? Fork. What is this? Oh, let me have a little looky-see. It is the best item of <laughs> jewellery I've seen all year. It is a hairband storing bracelet. Wow. <laughs> so that you can never be without a hairband. Ever again. <laughs> You so just hang shape on, it I... to your wrist, so you've got to kind of like oh, it a bit. Oh, that is... And then you put the hairband around <laughs> the bracelet, so you can hold, you can wear a hairband around your wrist. That is that is so pretty... You... Hang on, I've done it wrong. You hang have on. done it wrong. Yeah, Go sorry. <laughs> so yeah, let's just on. say... We... Right. No, just leave it around. I'll leave wrist. it on. Okay, sorry. All right. So what happens is... you. It, it sits in the glue. Oh, I see. So, listeners, I've just given her a bracelet that, that has a kind of like central groove around it, so you can. You have to sort of. That I'm not going to lie. That is an awesome. So that you can always have the hairband around your wrist, but it looks like a piece of jewellery. That and is incredible. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't is, squish and cut off the circulation to your hand. That is incredible because that does look like a really nice piece of jewellery. <laughs> it's actually a sort of a gold like sort of thing that just has a headband through it um and that is hilarious because you saw me walking around with my abc lanyard it was like it must have 30 hairbands on it and really <laughs> honestly you just look really unusual like that and also you're not recognizable to to security at all so because my face is covered by the array of it so our friend gwen just sent me the link to this you know that is product just saying hey do you reckon Salesy be into this? I'm like, oh, yeah, she would be. <laughs> that is really... That is her Christmas present. Is it... So is that made in Australia or overseas? I've never seen anything even remotely oh, like it. No, I didn't. I just checked. 
That um, is it, it just... arrived in about 20 seconds, so I assume it's local. Also, I love how my first wearing of it, I put the gold bangle on and then I just dangled it. <laughs> Stick off the edge. You I'll really, have to tweet a photo of that too to show how I attempted to wear it and then what the actual wearing of it is meant to be like. And there's a black and a white hair elastic. I think you can put any hair elastic through. I mean, like, oh. it really, it works with anything. <laughs> wow. That is quite something. Thank you very much. That <laughs> is really, really great. My God. What an ingenious idea. I know. I know. People are just bored, aren't they? <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Awesome. It's been a great 2016 in some respects. In other respects, I'm just really pleased to see the back of it. I just think it's, it's been, been going a on too long. Strange, strange year, that's for sure. We spent one sixth of this um, year in election campaign recording this podcast. And we've spent or? another one sixth of it actually recording. This is the longest podcast by about 50 percent. Yeah, hopeless at maths. I think it's about 50%. 2016 was too much, and so is this podcast. So yeah, sorry about that, everybody. Yeah. Um, can I also take on behalf of both of us? Uh, the opportunity to thank our producers over the course of this year. Brendan, who um, put an enormous amount of work into the establishment and, and pursuit of this podcast. He uh, retired honourably and exhausted <laughs> and just a bit just having enough of Over our it. really <laughs> useless um, habits. Uh, but thank you, Brendan, because uh, I think that the um, blueprint of the podcast was um, very substantially to do with his vision, so thank you, and yes. his hard work. Um, and, of course, Brenda, who has gingerly accepted the uh, the mantle. Um, and and he's probably, as we speak, texting Brendan and saying, yeah. why didn't you warn me about these yeah, idiots? Yeah. Um, and yeah. um, so uh, Brenda's fabulous, and thank you very much for your um, perceptiveness and hard work. And also, just apologies again for that really crappy <laughs> audio a couple of weeks ago. It's really, we did learn and we did listen because that was really a lower note even than we have achieved in the past, which is um, considerable. Yes. And we do, despite our tonight complaining about people talking to us, having the temerity to speak to us, um, we do actually love people speaking to us, especially chat chan listeners, because they are the best. There is no doubt about that. We just love all of the same things you guys love. <laughs> we love your books and your baking and your coming up to us and your, I don't know, dressing like Annabelle Crabb. Crazy dress-ups, T-shirts, yeah. oh, yeah. clubs. Coming oh to gosh. things that we're at and just, you know, being so warm and enthusiastic. And so that is It is you nice guys to think that there is a awesome. lovely network of very hilarious people out there. Yes. Sometimes you don't have to walk too far to find them. Totally. It's really, great really nice to know thing. that there's like this whole sort of network of kindred spirits, really. That's what exactly. that's how I tend to think of them. Kindred spirits wearing granny pants, eating cake <laughs> and reading good books. And also just not being shy to turn up and just go, oh, excuse me, where is the next podcast? <laughs> and excuse me, why was that audio so crap? Because yeah. we'll tolerate a lot, but that was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, have right. a great Christmas, everybody. Have a great Christmas. and uh, Let us know anything you read that's superb. Yes, um, please. And we'll be back uh, probably not in January, I don't think. You've got, we'll be back in Jesus, you've got an hour and 42 minutes. Oh, is that, are you joking? Nobody come up to us and complain because you've got an hour and 42 minutes, so go away and listen to that. It just makes me think, let's just go through till dawn. You know? <laughs> that's what you said last year. I knew that was going to happen. When you were on the way, I was thinking, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be tired and want to go to bed and Crab's going to be like, let's just keep talking. Yeah, it's five past ten. Yeah. Actually, I don't think anyone has ever been allowed to stay at your house past ten, so I'm already, you know... <laughs> it's like that election broadcast this year. <laughs> if we had... <laughs> 
except I've been to the toilet. If only Anthony... That's really disturbing because you haven't left the table. Well. <laughs> if only Anthony Green was here. Um, uh, now you made me forget what I was going to say. Anyway, thanks for listening. We're going to sign off. Over and out. Thanks for listening. See you next year. Bye.